It goes deep within our spirits and our hearts. And that, Lord, not only will we learn it, but, God, we will start doing it. We will start recognizing what you want us to know. I pray, God, for your anointing. We need you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you come upon us now, that you fill us, fill us, Lord, with your anointing. Bring forth the word to us, the word of life to us, that, God, we walk out of here with life, much more life than when we walked in, changed in so many ways. Lord, touch us this night. Touch every one of us this night. And, Lord, have your way in our lives. We love you, and we thank you for your word and for your life. And We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your blood. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you all praise and honor and glory. For each one of us in here knows that unless you did what you did, we would not even be as free as we are now. We would not even have our salvation. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Will you all just praise him? Just praise him. He's so worthy. He is so worthy for us to praise Him and to worship Him and to adore Him. You are so worthy, Lord. You're so worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is an exciting night. I don't know why. It just is. Some nights are more exciting than others. Have you ever noticed that? Some days are more exciting than others, right? Well, this is one of those. <laughs> this is an exciting night. Let's go to Psalm. Psalm 139. Surprise, surprise, huh? <laughs> I think the greatest psalm. I love it. Of course, I love a lot of others, but this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one because this one lets us know how wonderfully we're made. So verses 13 and 14 and 23 and 24. You know what? Let's celebrate and read the whole psalm tonight. What do you think? All right. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count, O God, depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect Thank you, Lord, for that psalm. Awesome. Well, tonight, guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about sabotage tonight. We Every once in a while, we have to talk about this because we forget it. <laughs> we forget all about sabotage and we'll start doing it again. You know, so the Lord, every once in a while, we bring these out and we kind of spitter spat them through different teachings. But um, this is going to, I know next week we're going to do sabotage again. And then I have no idea what God's going to do. Galatians 5, 7. It says, you ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? So you ran well, who hindered you? You know, the Lord asks us that uh, many times. You know, who is hindering you? And usually it's me who's hindering me, right? The definition in the dictionary for sabotage is the damaging of property or procedure so as to obstruct, which means to block a passage with obstacles. It means to retard, to delay, or to get in the way of productivity or normal functioning. So when we sabotage, we're really getting in the way of the productivity. You know, have you ever noticed if you sabotage, you don't feel like doing anything, actually productivity stops. It sort of comes to a dead halt. And you might be sitting on the couch doing nothing. You may even have on the TV, but not watching it. You know, just it's on. Because everything stops within our lives and it halts for a while. It also means any underhanded, what a word, any underhanded effort to defeat or do harm to an endeavor. So it's very underhanded. It's deliberate subversion. Deliberate subversion. Don't you hate some of these words? Uh, these are just definitions and I don't like them. Okay. <laughs> subversion means to destroy completely, to ruin. That's what it means. It also means to undermine the character, morals, or allegiance of. It means to corrupt. It also means to overthrow completely. Now, those are just out of the dictionary, telling us what sabotage is, kind of letting us know what we do to our own lives, what we can do to our own lives. Sabotage is self-defeating, is what it is, or self-obstruction. We're doing it to ourselves. And boy, we don't realize it until we begin to learn what sabotage is. Sabotage is me defeating me. So it's me doing this to me. And how God wants us to really, you know, learn what it is so that we can be free because it is one of the most binding things that there is. And it is what will keep us down when we sabotage. Um, defeat means to prevent the success of, to thwart, to undo, to destroy. No matter what situation I'm going through, as long as I don't sabotage, I'll get through it a lot easier, a whole lot easier. But if I sabotage, it becomes a lot tougher. 
in my life. So it's good that we learn not to do this. Now, we can, without being aware of it, sabotage anything in our lives. And I wrote down some things. We can sabotage our relationship with the Lord. We can sabotage our relationship with our spouse or the significant others in our lives. We can sabotage that. We can sabotage our health, our emotions, or our mental or physical uh, health. We can sabotage any of those. We can sabotage our social adjustment. We can sabotage our careers, our employment. We can sabotage, and this is a big one, our success. We can keep ourselves at a certain level. We put ceilings there ourselves. We can sabotage our efficiency. And this is one that keeps us from really growing. We can sabotage our gains that we have not a, by not recognizing them, by not even admitting them or giving God glory for what he's doing in our lives. We can sabotage our physician's authority. The physician will tell you this is wrong with you and you won't believe him. I've done that, you know, just so many times, especially when I was going through my breakdown. We can sabotage the great physician's authority, Jesus Christ. You know, it says about um, uh, imagination, to cast down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And our imagination is a high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And we are sabotaging at that time really our great physician the Lord himself and the word of God now I wanted to look up the word deliberate because I didn't quite like that word up there so I thought well I'll look it up and then let God explain this to me deliberate means to consider or discuss a matter carefully so as I started reading these I thought well that's true that's what we do when we're sabotaging we're really going over this thing we're giving it a going over in our minds, aren't we? Over and over and over and over. We'll either consider it in our own uh, hearts and souls and minds, or we'll be talking it constantly to somebody else. The second thing is, is it says to take careful thought to reflect, uh, and also intentional. You do this intentionally. When we sabotage, you know, it's good to take careful thought and and reflect on good things. But we're talking about sabotage. So we're, we're talking about the negative. And sometimes we take careful thought of the negative things in our lives. We reflect on those rather than good things. And so it's all we do is work ourselves up continuously is what we're doing. So I thought, yeah, Lord, that's true. It is deliberate without us knowing it. It's deliberate. And until we know what sabotaging is, we don't even know that we are, you know. Um, the second thing, it says careful in, we're careful in deciding. So we're going to make decisions, but not hastily. Uh, we don't do them hastily. It is, though, a deliberate choice. We're making a deliberate choice to think about what we're thinking about. If it's negative, we're making that deliberate choice. Sometimes we say, um, well, I, I can't help it if it comes to my mind. And that's true, you can't. If things come into our mind, we have no control over that, but what am I going to do with it? 
when it's there. Now, when I start thinking about it, that's when I start owning it, and that's when I start I can start sabotaging with it because I'll just keep working it up. So it's a person is slow with that and not hurried. Um, anyway, I thought, wow, that's good. So when we sabotage in our thinking, even if we're not aware of it, because sometimes we're not aware, you know, the main reason is we don't pay attention to what we're thinking half the time. You know, we're going along. Thoughts are always going on within us, within our mind. And so often we're not paying a bit of attention to what we're thinking. I know when I had my, when I was in the throes of my breakdown and I'd be driving along, I'd be pretty much okay, and all of a sudden I'd have symptoms. And the first thing I would ask myself is, what were you just thinking? And, you know, it's really difficult to figure out what you was just thinking. But somehow or another, God will bring it to you. He will help you, and he will let you know what you were just thinking. So many times we're not aware of it. And in our feelings and in our imagination, we're considering or discussing the matter carefully within ourselves, sometimes with someone. We are reflecting, we're careful in deciding, we're making a deliberate choice, slowly, not hurried. Why? Because when sabotaging, we're working ourselves up is what we're doing. We are working ourselves up, thinking, 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 or talking, talking, talking about it. Usually end up doing nothing except make ourselves miserable. And so there we sit now, miserable. And most of the time don't do anything because we've just worked ourselves into a state that is hard to live with. And that's sabotaging. We sabotage ourselves right out of things, usually the things that are best for us. Like, you know, um, sometimes you know that you should go to whatever, but you sabotage yourself out of that. Well, I don't feel good tonight. And so continuous making those excuses and just don't go. You end up not going. So sometimes we talk ourselves out of things, sabotage ourselves out of things that are really good for us. Well, why do we do that? Well, we're defeating ourselves is what we're doing without knowing. If somebody said to you, you're defeating yourself, you'd say, I am not, you know. But we do. We do when we do that. We're defeating ourselves from growth and from health and from freedom, etc. The good part, the thing that really matters. Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, the good part which will not be taken away from her. So Martha didn't choose the good part. She was worried about many things. That's not the good part. <laughs> That's not the good part at all, Jesus said. But he said Mary has chosen the good part. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, not concerned about all the things. It's amazing. One of my teachings, and, and um, as I look at tempers and, and God does these things, uh, it, it is it is so good. I love to just inspect that whole thing of Martha and Mary. That is so much fun just to see uh, all that Martha tried to do. Manipulation and everything else. Martha was something else, you know, with that. The good part. God wants each one of us to choose the good part. And that is really doing things God way. 
God's way. Sometimes choosing the good part is not easy, but it's still the good part. It is the good part. To learn to recognize our own sabotage is so important to our freedom. Sabotage is our own effort of blocking our progress. And it's, it's not easy to recognize that. We just have a hard time seeing it, you know. This is done, I mean, that's, that's done so subtly and almost underhanded that we ourselves are not aware of what we're doing until we recognize it in us. And so you ask the Holy Spirit, show me, Holy Spirit, let me see the sabotaging that I do. And then admit it that I'm sabotaging. I am sabotaging myself and confess it as sin because it is a sin. And the more I will confess things in my life that I do that are against the word of God as sin, then it kind of shocks me into, oh, even with worry. I'll never forget one day sitting here on a Thursday afternoon in Paraso and and um, we were in our circle and someone was talking about worry and I said, well, it's sin. And she just started bursting out laughing and said, it's sin. And I said, yes. And she said, well, I do that all the time. And <laughs> I said, well, then guess what? She said, I'm sinning. <laughs> and she said, I'll never forget that. I'll always remember that worry is sin. There's even things that we take from the word of God and we lighten them just like the world lightens everything and changes the names of it and makes it so, um, so uh, uh, palatable that it's not even sin anymore, that uh, that couldn't possibly be sin. Everybody's doing that, you know, so it's not sin. But when we look at these things and we say, well, that's sin, then we will stop it. We really will. We'll start recognizing it. You know, um, where am I? Oh, and then we admit it and confess it as sin every time. Every time. When When I first became a Christian, God had already done an awful lot of soul work in me from age 26 to 45. That was a lot of soul work that he was doing. But now I had a spirit that was alive. So everything in my in me started changing. And now God had to show me so many things about him. And I always, when I would practice, even before I was a Christian, the one thing that the Lord would throw up in me all the time is, Oh, ye of little faith. Over and over again, things would happen in our life, and that would come up. There was two scriptures I practiced. That one, and then the other one was, um, oh, what was that one? I had it, and then it's gone. What? Do I, oh, how many times do I have to forgive him? That was my husband. How many times do I have to forgive him? <laughs> and God would always bring back 70 times 7, and I knew that, oh, man, i got to forgive again, you know. <laughs> but those two scriptures I would practice. And when I became born again, I really understood why God wanted me to practice those because doubt was so in my life. And I, if I confessed that one time a day, it must have been 20 or 30 times a day that I would be confessing gout, doubt, gout, doubt. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> that I would be confessing that doubt within me and I always did it physically so I would always tell Lord that I confess this as sin and I take back the ground that I gave to Satan and I give that ground back to you you're my Lord and I would do that over and over and over and over with doubt and I still do if doubt comes because we're never perfect and doubt can creep in on every one of us 
And so we just need to know what to do when it happens. Now, uh, over and over again, it is practice, fail, practice, fail, and then finally practice success. And that's the way it goes in our lives. You know, we will do God's word and we will mess up. We will just mess up big time. We'll blow it over and over and over again. And then there's a success. And then you go on back, maybe practice, fail, practice, fail, practice, fail, practice, success. Maybe practice, success, practice, success. That's hard. Practice, success again, you know. And then just practice, fail, maybe one time. And then more successes start coming is the way it goes. Now, as time goes on, there will be more successes than failures. And then hardly any failures. And that's how it goes as you grow in the Lord. And it really is growing in Him and doing things His way. Sabotage puts us into setbacks, those things we don't like. Setback means, and this is out of the uh, dictionary, a temporary defeat. So a setback is a temporary defeat. And temporary. It's temporary. Always remember that. It's not a forever you're going to be in this from now on. It's temporary. If we would just understand that, remember our scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works in us, or really, I, I typed it today, today and I have it here right, is working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. And the verse 18 says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And we can also put feel there too. Many times when we're feeling sad, that's temporary. Those things are temporary. You know what? If you practice, it goes away a lot quicker. But if you work yourself up so long, you get tired of working yourself up. You know, you do. And it'll eventually run its course because you'll eventually forget about it. But you can go through a lot of suffering in the meantime. It is temporary and it comes with the fury and intensity of the original symptoms. And you think, oh my gosh, I'm right back where I started from. With the temptation of feelings, they lie and they deceive us and they tell us all kinds of things in our thinking. And we think we've gone back, but that's not true. You don't go back anywhere. Whenever you have that temporary setback in your life, it doesn't mean you went back. It just means that now you're, you're in an area of defeat again. But you can come out of that. You can truly come out of that. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. But uh, we are only in a tempor temporary defeat and nothing more. I used to say to myself, this is just, and if you make that just little, or if you make it big, whichever way, a setback. And then you, it takes the, uh, it takes the edge away from it. And we know it's only temporary and we're not going to stay there because we're getting better, right? Because we're really, really growing. We are to look for the gains in the midst of our failures and setbacks. And this is so important because the human nature wants to look at the failure. That's just the way it is. You blow something and you want to look at that. And God says, don't look at that. Look for your gains. Just look for your gain in the midst of the failure. Because if we're beginning to apply to practice the word of God at all, there is some gain, no matter how small. And we have to look for it, even if it's a needle in a haystack. 
you keep looking and you ask the Holy Spirit, where was my gain in that? Because he wants you to start looking at the positive, the things that he's doing within you, and not always be looking for the failures, the negative, which is sort of the way we grew up, right? Many of us, anyway. So no matter how small, and recognize the gain, confess the failure and let it go. Just confess it and let it go. You're cleansed of it. Once you confess it as sin, there's no sense in keeping it because then it's false guilt. It doesn't even belong to you anymore. And so we confess that part and we just let it go and know that this is only a setback. It's only a setback. And focus on the gain and give God the glory for your transformation. So set your mind on the things that are good. So set your mind on the gain and let the failure go by the wayside because we're all going to fail. We're all going to make mistakes. Actually, we have to learn how to have the courage to make a mistake. If you don't make mistakes, that means you're just not trying anything, you know. So making mistakes is just part of life. It's part of getting where you need to go. So you and I have the gas pedal and we have the brake. And so we can go forward or we can stop it. And the Lord will not, he will not go, come down and push our gas pedal because he's given us that ability. It's amazing how he set things up. So we've got the gas pedal, and the more we focus on our gains and practice, pulling our thoughts to the obedience of Jesus Christ, casting down our imaginations, that's in 2 Corinthians 10.5, the shorter in duration the setback or symptom will last. So the more we do this, the shorter time you will suffer. It will run its course a lot quicker. The more we work ourselves up over the symptom or the setback, we are sabotaging. And the longer it will last. It not only lasts long, it intensifies. So if you have a headache and you start sabotaging with your headache, the headache gets worse. But if you start getting a headache and you say no, and you change your thoughts, and you go on and put your mind on other things, that headache just goes, it just flies out the window. It's gone. Now, you may have to practice and fail with that any number of times. But the point is, when you keep practicing and failing, practice, fail, practice, fail, you will succeed because you will begin to believe that, no, this symptom does not rule my life anymore, and nor is it going to. And so we have to really, un, you know, God gives this to us. It's what he gives us. And he wants us to walk in it. You know, you have dominion. You have dominion. And we so, we're so slow to take it. You know, we think, well, we can't do that. Yes, you can. Because he says you can. So therefore you can. So it's up to us. But we need to know that it takes time to learn to recognize our own sabotage. And then it takes time to come out of our old habit of practicing working ourselves up to working things out with our Lord by practicing His way. It takes time for us to give up working it up and then start working it out with God and just not going there. You know, one of the things I learned to say is I can't afford it. It's like, if I can't afford to buy a dress, I'm not going to go to the store, I'll tell you. Because if I go to the store, I'm going to want to buy something. I don't really go shopping unless I'm going there for something. And I have the money to get it. Otherwise, you won't even find me in the store, you know. Because why go tempt yourself? 
And it's the same way with these symptoms. When they come, why tempt yourself with it? Just know you can't afford it. You cannot afford to think about symptoms or to think about certain circumstances in your life or certain events or certain things that are going on. You can't afford it. If you can change it, well, then change it. But if you can't, you can't afford to work it up. So none of us can. You know, some people say, well, I do, and it doesn't bother me. Well, maybe it won't for a while. But if you continue to do it, it will. Because God says that sin brings death. It's destructive in our lives. And it hurts our emotions or our mental uh, life, mind, or our body. It's going to hurt one of those things. I know my husband Marty is dead, died at 52, which was way too young to die. And it was due to stress. It was due to his temper is what it was due to. I had a nervous breakdown, and it was due to my own temper is the reason that I was there. So it hurts us. It hurts us. If we think we can afford it, we can't because it's going against God's word. And anything that we do that goes against God's word, filtering up is going to be something in our lives. It will either be symptoms in our body or symptoms in our environment, like always losing a job or, you know, anything like that. It it affects us. And we we need to just say, Lord, I want to learn to do it your way. Learning to recognize our own sabotage, it's an art. It's a skill, and it needs to be cultivated. It's like fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. That needs to be cultivated within our lives. We get it, but we have to cultivate it. Well, sabotaging, we have to learn by that too by truly practicing. We've been planting the seeds of worry, fear, anger, resentment, discouragement, impatience, doubt, guilt, self-will, disappointment, procrastination, you could probably write down a few yourself, you know, that you plant, etc., etc., for a long time, actually years. It takes years. You know, there are sometimes in, in some um, mental hospitals, though, little children where it didn't take years. It depends on where our coping level is as to how much we can get away with. And so evidently mine, I hit mine at 26. It also depends on how much we do use our temper, and I use mine a lot. I was a very fearful person. So, you know, it depends on a lot of different things. Some people can get through this whole lifespan that is just like the grass, you know, here today and tomorrow it's cut down and thrown into the furnace. But some people can get through that whole thing and never really uh, have to do anything about stopping to carry their anger or their fears or anything it hurts them but they're not really realizing how much it's hurting them you know their body continues to work and even though they're having a lot of troubles in their life they never think that it would possibly ever have anything to do with them because it's everything outside of them that causes all of this stuff in their lives and when God starts bringing truth into us that it's not that out there but it's this in here then that's when he can really start working on us when we'll receive that. Until we receive it, we're still going to throw the blame out there because that's our sin nature. That comes from our sin nature. So all of those things, and we've been in that for a long time, actually years, therefore it will not change overnight. It doesn't change overnight because God's way is by the renewing of our mind. And that takes time. That's a process. 
And it's not going to be one day you're sick and you come in here and you learn some things and the next day you're well. You didn't get sick that way. You got sick incident by incident by incident or you got in the shape you're in by incident by incident by incident. You come out the same way. And it's through practice. Actually, you practice yourself in with the negative and you practice yourself out by the Word of God is how it works in our lives. And it truly does work. The Lord says in Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, for those that are serious about um, our walk, or I should say for those of us that are serious about our walk with the Lord, this is a necessity. Renewing of our minds takes practicing obedience to the Word of God. And so we that's what practice is. Practice is obey God. Just obey Him. And do it whether you want to or not. Just obey Him and do it His way. Hebrews 5, 8 says, Though He was a son, yet He learned obedience by the things which He suffered. And you and I learn obedience the same way. There's nothing like pain to shape us up. You know, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, that would shape me up. I remember, you know, Marty was so good for me too, my husband, because if I'd be going around sabotaging, he'd come home angry sometimes. You know, that would snap me out of it because I know now both of us can't be here doing this. Somebody has to stand up and take care of the kids, you know. (laughs) And so it would pull me out. It would truly pull me out. He never gave me any sympathy. Praise God. I didn't need any. Because that is not what we need. We need obedience. We need to obey. We need to have God's word before us and know that, well, this is what I'm going to do. You just be strong and do it, no matter how much it hurts. You know, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. So this is the same way that we learn obedience. To continue changing our thoughts. I mean, what a job. Because no more than we change it, if it's obsessive at all, it's going to be right back. And that means you have to change it again. And so it's over and over and over and over. And it's uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable and distressing when we're doing something to discipline ourselves. Because our flesh kicks. It cannot stand for us to stand up. And you know the Word of God says that he who who can't rule his own spirit. What's the rest of that scripture? Uh is uh, like a city broken down without walls. That's what God's saying. Hey, stand up. Stand up. You're the one that's supposed to be ruling this this whole uh, thing here. You know, by letting him be on the seat and you do what he tells you to do. You must rule it. He isn't going to do it for us. We're going to have to do it. But he's in there helping us. He's checking us and giving us those checks in our spirit, showing us when you're doing the opposite of what his word says. He's such a helper. He's such a helper. Praise you, Jesus. You know, so it's obedience. And it, it, it is distressing and uncomfortable until you start getting used to it and then it starts going away and you start doing all right with it. Over and over again and cast down your imagination over and over again and control your impulses and, and your tongue. Those things are not easy. This, for a while, brings a lot of discomfort. You know, because we are so used to having our own way. And we want our own way. And we don't like it. And we can't have our own way. 
And so we just want to sit down and pamper and coddle ourselves and say, you deserve to do this today. So you just let her fly. <laughs> you know, you deserve it today. You've been good for two days now. <laughs> but we can't afford it. It's not easy when we're reeked with symptoms. I don't know if anybody's ever been reeked with symptoms. To ignore them and believe the Word of God instead of our imagination and our thoughts that are telling us something. Now, we can also say it's not easy when we're going through a situation to take the Word of God and stand on that when our thoughts and our imagination is telling us this is not going to work, you know, you're going to be in more trouble than you were before. I don't know why you're even trying these things. You know, those thoughts that come to our mind over these things, telling us the opposite of the Word of God, trying to sway us in the other direction. It is a conscious choice that we must make in choosing life instead of death. Blessing instead of cursing. And we know that's in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Sabotaging is done in our thinking that is preoccupied with our own diagnosis of the situation or our health or whatever. But we diagnose things and we have our own, you know, interpretation of what's going on. Or our own complaints, complaining and complaining and complaining. Or our own imagination about the situation. And most of the time, we are not even aware of our thinking. We're just going around doing this, doing a real job on ourselves. If sabotage is to be overcome, it must be stopped at its source and at its origin. If you want to overcome it, everything originates in our thoughts. We can see this with Eve in the garden. And I have here Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. The Word of God says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, observation, and a tree desirable to make one wise, interpretation, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, last week we went over event, observation, interpretation. Those of you all that were here, well, I'll put this in that form for you. The event was the temptation of Satan to Eve. The observation was she thought. So here's your thought. It is good for food and pleasant to the eyes. So there was her thought as she's looking at that. Interpretation. She thought this tree is desirable to make us wise. Me and my husband. To make us wise. React with temper is the next thing. She wanted that fruit and made the choice to disobey. It was a choice. She knew that the Lord told her, told him, and he told her, not to eat of that tree. And she made the choice herself. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So he chose too. That equals sin. So that was our first step in the process of sanctification that we went over last week. Now, it originates in our thoughts, and we must learn to recognize and pay attention to what we're thinking. I used to tell people, they probably don't make them anymore, but they used to make little clickers that you could take to the grocery store, you know, and add up your little groceries as you went along. But I would tell them, take a clicker, and every time you have a negative thought, click. <laughs> and then you can see how many negative thoughts you have, you know. 
many times even the normal average person, not born-again Christian, but the normal average person will have about 80% negative thoughts. And if they're going through something really terrific, it's about 99 to 100% negative thoughts, you know. But as we're a Christian, those things come up higher and higher and higher as we really do learn to do things God's way. So it originates in the thoughts, and we must learn to recognize and pay attention to what we're thinking. Process the thinking and change the thoughts by setting our mind on something else. Philippians 4.8 tells you where you can set your mind. Also, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1-4 through 4 also tells you where you can set your mind. It, it tells you to set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. But Philippians 4.8 gives you a whole list of where you can set your mind. And it's not necessarily the word of God. It's anything good, anything pure. You know, if, if there's any excellence in anything, he says, set your mind on these things. Don't set them on your problems. That's not going to change your problems. You know, don't set it on your life and think, oh, man, you know, God, everything is so horrible. You know, if you set your thoughts there, then you can just tear yourself down and wear yourself down so we just sometimes have to say lord i can't afford this i'm just going to trust you i'm going to come to you like you say i'm going to uh, come to you uh, be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication i'll make my request be made known to you with thanksgiving and um and then the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard my heart my mind and my soul and when we had Marie Yates here, one of the things that she said is, do you know how you're going to receive what you've prayed for? She said, or, or how did she put that sometimes, Sharon, how you know that you're not going to receive what you prayed for? If you pray and you walk off and you continue to think about it and you're not thanking him for the answer. So when we do that, see, it says with thanksgiving, and that's where we have to stay. And we say, well, Lord, I gave this to you and I thank you for the answer. Every time it comes up, I thank you for the answer. You're changing things in my life. Thank you, Lord God, for the answer. And just stay there. Just know you can't afford to go back to the other thing because then you'll be like James said and you'll be that double-minded person. And God says we need not think we're going to get anything when we're that double-minded person. So we've got to keep on thanking him. Symptoms can be anything in the soul. They can be depression, anxiety, stomach problems, headaches, etc., etc., in the mind, obsessive thoughts, preoccupation, fantasies, um, anything, etc., etc. In the body, pains anywhere, blurred, blurring of vision, heart palpitations, dizziness, etc., etc. In our circumstances, broken relationships, losses, addictions, and etc., etc. These things can go on and on and on, and they're all due to sin. They're all due to us really carrying those temperamental reactions to things that we do in our lives. And how do I know that's true? Because I used to do it. And I got well by stopping, just by learning how to practice. And there's people in this room that have gotten well too by that very same thing. It works. It really works because God says he sent his word and healed them. If we have problems with relationships, we won't have problems with relationships anymore because we get healed, because our mind gets renewed. There are many ways that we sabotage our lives, and as time goes on, we'll go through some of them. 
so we can truly understand sabotage and how we hurt ourselves. Because one of the consolations that each of us can have is that we just haven't learned how to recognize or to stop sabotaging yet. Don't ever beat yourself up. Don't ever. Because God is a God of grace. We must learn to apply the fruit of the Spirit to our own lives. Uh, We have to learn to give it to ourselves all the time. And this takes practice also. Galatians 5.23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And there's no law. There's no law against any of those. But we've got to practice it. And then we've got a tempter who comes and is very ready to tell us things about ourselves and to tell us, you know, all kinds of things. You know, that old tempter will come to me even in the middle of worship sometimes and give me something like, um, you know, uh, weird things like, um, you know, the whole this whole thing is not going to make it. I mean, just horrible things he'll give to me. And I'll just have to stop and bind him and say, I'm worshiping the Lord, pardon me, but you're going to have to go, not me. And so we have to just take that authority sometime. Long-suffering is the one we want to look at, and in the concordance, that's 3115. This is in the New Covenant, and that means forbearance or fortitude. It means patience. So be patient with yourself. Know that you didn't get the way you are overnight. And you're not going to get out of it overnight. But that God is with you. And he loved you when you were the way you were. Our little old nasty selves. You know, he loved us. He's always loved us. And he loves us now that we're trying. And he knows that we're going to go through it. And But he's with us. But he's with us. I love long-suffering in the Old Covenant. That's uh, number 750 and 639. And we can find that in Exodus 34, verse 6, where it's talking about the Lord passing before Moses. And he says that he is merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and then goes on with the scripture. In Numbers 14, 18, it says, Lord, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. Long-suffering he is. In Psalm 86, 15, it says, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy. That's our Lord. That's our Lord. Well, those words mean, number 750 means long-suffering, long-winged, patient, slow to anger is what that means. In 639, talking about the Lord, it means it has to do with the nose and the nostrils. Have you ever seen anybody get angry and their nose flares out? You know, (laughs) the holes get bigger and everything happens, doesn't it? It just kind of flattens out on their face, you know. It means nose or nostrils. It has to do with anger. It means uh, the, the face and occasionally the whole person, <laughs> you know. And also uh, from the rapid breathing and passion. People get, you know, angry and their breath will come quick. That adrenaline is really moving, you know, within them. Anger, angry, it, uh, it, the countenance changes, the face uh, forbearing, the forehead will show, long-suffering, back to nose and nostril and snout, um, times, uh, times worthy and wrath. What this whole thing means is that God withholds his anger. 
He is long-suffering. Look how long he suffered before the flood. And then he said, that's it. You know, uh, this has to be wiped out. And then he continues to suffer. He is continuing to suffer, our Lord is. Suffered a long time before he sent Jesus. And now, I mean, I'm sure all of us see some of the things that happen even in Christianity. And we just hide our eyes and say, God, please have mercy, have mercy. Long suffering he is, but not forever. But not forever. We know that because he's a just God. Aren't you glad he's long suffering? Aren't you glad he has patience with you? Well, then, if he who is God has patience with you and with me, who are we not to receive that and have patience with ourselves? Have you ever thought of that? Who are we to be above him and say, I don't deserve patience, and then accuse myself of whatever? I'm exalting my own self way above God because he has patience with me. He has grace. He gives me all kinds of grace. He does all of that with us because he loves us, because he loves us. We really must learn not to carry tempers toward ourselves or our symptoms or our circumstance. It's the worst tempers that we can carry. Because we can preoccupy our whole day with this stuff. And we start really feeling miserable and have a real hard time in our lives. But to apply the fruit of the Spirit in all of it, especially being patient with ourselves as we learn. Because it takes time to learn. Our health and peace in acceptance of ourselves, our health and peace, I should say, is in acceptance of ourselves ourselves first i have to receive god's love and then i need to give that love to me and learn to love myself and receive myself the way i am many people have never received themselves because they don't like themselves you know we might not like the little mole that we have or might not like the way our hair goes or we don't like our eyes or that's why some people are changing themselves you know i mean it's okay with me whatever they do but we don't like ourselves a certain way, and so we, we just want to, you know, we, don't, we just don't want to be around ourselves. Do you know that when I first had my nervous breakdown, I could not be in a quiet room? I mean, that's how much I didn't like myself. I was fearful of what would happen. I had to have the TV on or the radio on, something on all the time. Always there had to be noise. There had to be noise. I could not handle the thoughts that went through my mind. So if I kept noise going, so it, it all has to do with us not being able to really receive ourselves. And it took a long time, a long time for me to be able to receive me just the way I am and say, okay, Lord, thank you. I remember when I first got born again, I heard this, uh, this minister, I forget who it was. It was really a good tape, though. And he was talking about his marriage. And he had a pretty good marriage. You know, he was a minister, he said. But all of a sudden, the Lord got a hold of him one day because he was always trying to change his wife. And he wanted her to be this way and that way and another way. And uh, all of a sudden, the Lord got a hold of him and said, um, you've never received your wife. And he says, what do you mean? I, I married her. And the Lord let him know that isn't receiving her. You know, you married her, but you never received her the way she is. 
And so, you know what he did? He said, it so, uh, it so touched me and, and was so profound to me that he said, I went to my wife and I told her, and I said, let's take our wedding bands off and let's go through our vows together because I really want to receive you this time. I want to receive you just the way you are, and I'm not going to endeavor to change you anymore. Now, you know that took him time. He had a lot of, you know, practice and failures with that, I'm sure. <laughs> but the point was he really did make a decision to do that, and that was good. And you and I have to practice to be kind to ourselves, practice to be patient with ourselves, practice to receive grace, practice to love ourselves. And once that begins to happen, because he tells us, love your neighbor as yourself, as you begin to love yourself, you will be able, it'll pour over into all people. You'll be able to love all people, even those that you wouldn't ordinarily like. You will love them, and you will be kind to them. And you won't meet a person that you can't like or that you won't love. And that's, but first we got to take it ourselves because until then we're impatient with everybody around us. Why? Because we're impatient with our own selves. We just feel like we can't do things right. Therefore, neither can anybody else, you know, neither can they. So it's not easy to practice. It really isn't. And, um, you know, we, because we practice fail, practice fail over and over and over and over and over again until there's a success, a gain. And that's not easy. But every time we fail, we have to look for the gain. Look for the little bitty, little bitty, bitty gain. And focus on that. And thank God for that. And say, Lord, you're transforming me. Thank you, God. To trust God is so important. For us to learn patience with ourselves. To extend grace toward ourselves it's not easy we also learn that we are not perfect nor will we ever be and then we begin to think that's okay that i'm not perfect i'm gonna make mistakes and nobody and here's another thing that's so big other people don't have to do things the way i do them there are other ways to do things and they'll get to the same place that i am but they just won't do it the same way that i do it and i have to be patient with myself as I'm allowing them to do it their way and be patient with them so they can do it giving all people grace as we receive grace ourselves because I know I don't do things all the time the way God wants me to I know I don't and I'm sure not any of us in here do it all the time and yet he's patient and long-suffering with us over and over again, I'm so grateful for that. Aren't you grateful for that? We'd be wiped out if he wasn't. We'd be smitten, wouldn't we? <laughs> and it takes time to be sanctified, see? And that's what we're in is the process of sanctification. And it does for everyone else also, every one of us. And we can practice patience with those that we love. We also begin to recognize the covenant relationship between the Father and ourselves, and how He knew us before the foundation of the world, and how all thing, all through our life we have continually sabotaged ourselves, and how long-suffering and how much patience He has had toward us. And then we are to take that patience from Him and extend it to ourselves and then toward others. And we'll continue this next week. Father, we thank You so much. Because we know, 
We really do know, Lord, that you want us to know the things from your word that will set us free. We know, God, that you gave us everything in your word that we need in order to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. In in order to be absolutely free with no yokes of bondage upon us. No controls, no nothing. God, you put it all there for us. And you gave us the Holy Spirit. And he's on the inside of us. Teaching and guiding and directing and disciplining and and, and, um, convicting us. He's continuously working in us day and night. Day and night. Never does he sleep. We are truly a 24-hour day job. And God, every one of us, if we would cooperate with the Holy Spirit for what he wants to do in our own lives and stop minding other people's, Lord, we would be busy all day long just taking care of ourselves. I pray, Father, for everyone that's in here, Lord, that you will touch them, that these things will go deep within them, that they will eventually learn their sabotaging. And as they practice with it, that God, they'll begin to recognize it just like that and say, I'm not going there anymore. Just like that little thing that we read. Oh, I got to read that little thing to you. I want to make a copy of it. I'm going to make it little for you all. The autobiography in five short chapters. One, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It's my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5, I walk down another street. That is the process, really, of sanctification, of healing, of practice. That is the real process of it. We finally just stop going there. We change our thoughts. The minute the thought will come, we'll say no. And it's over. It's over. It's over that quick. You know, it's amazing. God wants us to be there. He wants us to walk in victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. We're going to receive our offering.